Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to C3 Corumbans podcast. We want you to know that you are loved by a God who is love. So good to have you with us. Why don't you enjoy this week's sermon? Well, great to see you. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan and my wife Hannah and I get the honor of pastoring this church along with an amazing team. And this morning we have Tag Team Preach in store for you guys, which is so exciting to me to let some of our team and leaders and pastors step up as well and share from their heart what God's doing. We've just been finishing a six-week preaching series at the end of Acts chapter 2, where it speaks about the church still being in one accord. They started Acts 2 in one accord. The Holy Spirit fell, day of Pentecost, and they finished Acts 2 in one accord. And there were six things we looked at, just to remind us all, once again, we are in complete submission to the authority of Scripture. Amen? Amen. They completely submitted themselves and devoted themselves to the teaching. They expected miracles to happen. Amen. They prayed, they believed, they had faith that impossible things still happen. They, they prayed for each other. We still do that, right? We, we, we understand now that the, you know, we're getting past the awkwardness of praying for each other at the end and we're hearing testimonies of healings or words of encouragement coming back. It's so incredible. Uh, they shared things in common. They, they, people over possessions. We were willing to sell anything or give anything to help because people mattered more. Uh, communion. We did communion last week and looked at the, the awe and the reverence of that moment. And so I want to encourage you, keep having communion as often as possible, remembering what Jesus did for you on the cross. And they shared meals, table fellowship, where we looked at inviting people over, that gift of hospitality and what God can do in that space. And so I want us to recap on that before we launch today. Today, I've just given them the broad topic of unity, but I want us to fight, church. We have to fight to stay in one accord. Amen? And so let's continue to endeavor to be in unity. Uh, It is such an honor to uh, welcome up and introduce our family pastor, Pastor Michelle Fossil, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Dan. Talk about give us a hard topic, Dan. Unity. Good morning, everyone, and good morning to those online, including one of my my eldest sons online today. Um, Welcome. Um, Just to introduce myself, Michelle, married to the best man in the world, Kurt. He's a bit of a legend. (laughs) He really is. And we have three sons, one which was up here playing the bass, Casey, who's getting married to beautiful Chloe. Next, well, July, getting married. Where are you? Come and see you. Oh, there you are. There you are. And Branson's getting married next year. Far out. We're heading to the empty nesters. And Andre, single ladies. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good catch. I can embarrass you today, Andre, it's okay. Um, Unity, well, just to start off, a simple definition from the dictionary. The quality or state of not being multiple. Oneness, the quality or state of being one. And there's actually a Hebrew word, which I won't even begin to pronounce, embarrass myself. It's A-C-H-D-U-T, meaning oneness, solidarity, or even harmony. And I'll be speaking out of Ephesians, Ephesians 4 today, and just to give you a little bit of background. Now, I'm no theological person here. If I get this wrong, just email Pastor Dan. (laughs) Just kidding. Sorry, Dan. (laughs) 
the Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians, and as I understand, he wrote four of the books of the New Testament whilst in prison in Rome, and one of which being Ephesians. And Ephesians talks about unveiling, unveils the mystery of the church, and that mystery being salvation that had come to the Jew and the Gentile. And God's secret intention is revealed in Ephesians to form a body, which is the church of Christ, to express Christ's fullness on earth. And to do this, um, Paul had the huge task of uniting these two quite opposite people as one. Is that right, Dan? (laughs) Um, So, and as I was preparing this huge topic on unity because the I mean it's quite a central message to the gospel is unity in the church I thought God how how do you bring so many um, different people together as one and it, it has to be of God and I thought well first it's got to start from our own unity um, with Christ so unity must come first through our own conversion conversion, our personal union with him, salvation. So it's the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. It's what makes us Christians. So the body of Christ, it's the same salvation the Jew and the Gentile received. And I just want to go through a few things, what happens to us. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian, you have no idea what Christianity is. So I just wanted to touch base on a little bit what happens to us when we actually receive Christ. And there's going to be a few scripture references, but not too many for the sake of time. So one thing that happens, we are chosen by God and given a new life. We are justified. We're made righteous, 2 Corinthians 5.17. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We're sanctified, which is being set apart, having a new life that obeys God. It's a new identity, praise God, in this life and the next to eternity. We receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, and we have preservations perseverance in the faith. Romans 8, 38 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And lastly, bodily resurrection in the future and glorification. That's First Thessalonians 4, verse 16. <clears throat> so this is our new union with Christ for each believer. So we put on Christ and we are engrafted into his body, the church. Um, he, through Christ's sacrifice, makes us one with him. Hallelujah. So our church unity depends on our unity with Christ first and foremost. And then the body, this church, can function. Okay, so I'm just going to read Ephesians 4 um, from verse 1 to 6. And then 11 to 16. And I'm going to need my glasses. (laughs) Okay, so, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, 
beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness, lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity, and that unity there actually means oneness, of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, small a, not capital A, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the identifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together but every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It's a beautiful piece of scripture. And what I want to um, do is try and bring out the practical ways of bringing unity, keeping unity in the church, but also in, in our homes, work life, in all our relationships, and bring out the practicality that the scripture is talking about. So in verse 1, Paul's pleading with the people, um, the Christians, to walk worthy. And that, that word worthy um, talks about, um, has the idea of matching up our actions. So our, our inward convictions need to come out, our outward actions. So, um, and that's to bring God honour. With all lowliness, which is without pride, to be humble, um, to have a, a lower opinion on yourself and a higher regard for other people. <clears throat> um, with, where are I? I have lower opinion, yeah. And gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And these are, these are some of the virtues that... Um, Paul's talking about and on love Colossians 3 um, 13 uh, says love is a thing that binds everything together in perfect harmony and most of us know the scripture first 13 the Bible talks about uh, sorry first Corinthians 13 yeah talking about love love is patient love is kind it's unending it's not boastful it's not proud it doesn't keep any records of wrong and I think a really good idea to ask ourselves is whenever we're having any disagreement with anyone in the church or in our families, workplace, um, to ask, you know, am I being loving? Am I walking in love? Or am I being boastful, proud, 
you know, am I keeping records of wrong, which sometimes means a bit of unforgiveness towards others? You know, just checking ourselves where our heart is. Um, and not being self-seeking. So verse 3 says, endeavouring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The bond of peace is actually what holds our unity together. And the, the Greek word for bond, I love this, is actually a belt. It means a belt. If you can picture the body of Christ actually being held together like a belt Um, Peace comes from a selflessness, the primary characteristic of Christian love. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called uh, in one body. And be thankful. Being thankful. Uh, In verses 17 to 24 of Ephesians, uh, chapter 4, Paul speaks of how uh, the Jews and the Gentiles were like as non-believers. Then in verse 22, he says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And then, so it's talking about putting off the old man, the deceitful man, and then putting on the new man. And how do we do that? By renewing your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And renew means to replace, replace your old way of thinking into God's word. Cognitive behavioural therapy right there. <laughs> and when we do this, the word, we, we need to apply it, we need to meditate on it or think on it. We need to um, write it, speak it, hear it and, and pray it. Okay. So my last and final point uh, actually comes out of 1 Corinthians Uh, 1 verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. And he pulls pleading with the church in Corinth uh, to not be divided. There were fractions happening, divisions happening because there were uh, different teachings from different leading leaders coming out. So this actually brought divisions. So Paul was insisting that they come to a higher standard for the church's sake, to be united as one. And the standard here was not to reach perfect conformity, only that they reach unity, and that their disagreements does not have to mean division. Okay, so, you know, we're all different here. We're going to have different opinions, as we saw in the last couple of years. Lots of different opinions. Lovely internet. Um, (laughs) But that needs to be secondary to the fundamental agreement and brotherhood through Christ. Okay, so when we as Christians set up mere human beings 
as our standard, division will always result, okay? And that ultimately does not bring glory to God. And just to finish, um, it was Jesus um, that prayed about us all having unity. And it's in John 17, 21. Jesus prayed, May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us. And why? I I add the why. (laughs) So that the world may believe that you sent me. Amen. So unity is showing the world that God sent Jesus for them. Amen. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. I just, I just want to introduce another legend, John. I, is there anything you actually don't do in the church, John? <laughs> he's a legend. He's nervous, but he always, he just always kills it, don't you? It just flows out of you. Bless you. Thank you. Good work. <laughs> Woohoo! Can we give it up for Michelle? <laughs> Michelle and I have spoken together a few times, and I thought this was going to be the first time we haven't had the same things. And then she finished with my scripture. So thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We love you. Oh, we are here this morning to worship your name, to hear from you, to encounter you. And to enjoy your goodness. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. All right, unity. To be joined as a whole. As one. I love my New King James Spirit-filled Kingdom Dynamics. It has amazing footnotes. It says that unity is what cements believers to our Lord Jesus and to each other. Unity is the core of everything godly. God himself, the Trinity. Uh, My daughter got sent home something on God and I thought it was absolutely amazing. It had the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit and in the center was God. And it said the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father, but the Father is God, the Son is God, the Trinity is God. It was just the perfect unity. And it's also what God wants for us. John 10, 16, and other sheep, this is Jesus talking to the Jews, and other sheep, who are not of this fold, them also I will bring. They will know my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Unfortunately, selfishness is at the core of our sinful nature. We can only attain true unity when we keep our eyes on Jesus, swallow our pride, humble ourselves and serve one another. So this morning I'd like to talk about unity in the church. Because I believe in the church. I believe in its power. I believe in its purpose. I believe in its focus. And I believe it is God's plan. I also believe that the cards are stacked against it in every way possible. Uh, The world is against the church. Uh, The devil is majorly against the church. And as I mentioned, our own sinful nature uh, uh, can tarnish the church. Um, But the good news... When Jesus is at the center, his church is unstoppable, all-powerful, and it will accomplish what he wants it to accomplish. So the scripture I'll be reading out of this morning is John 17, 20. And I think this uh, uh, scripture is 
extremely important. It's Jesus' final petition. At the start of this chapter, he says, I have completed the works, talking to God, I have completed it. And at the end of this chapter, he is uh, uh, arrested and taken away and the crucifixion process uh, uh, begins. So what he says here, his final petition, is very important. I do not pray for these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that you sent me. His uh, 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 final petition was about unity, unity in, in the present believers, the present church, and all of those to come. Oh, we thank you. In the footnotes again, in the New King James, uh, it says, one God the Father, one Lord and Saviour, one faith and one body. One plus one plus one equals one. There's one Jesus, there's one of us, and there's one others, and we equal one together. We were never meant to do life alone, not from the beginning and not now. So the church, it is God's design. Psalm 133 says, See how blessed when the brethren, brethren, when the brethren dwell in unity. The oil, it's like the oil that flows down the beard of Aaron, and it's like the dew that flows down Mount Hermon. The anointing oil and the refreshing dew flow down. If, if we want the anointing or the refreshing, I believe we need to align ourselves in the church. Thank you, Lord. This was one of my first uh, uh, revelations. I remember coming to church, being saved, coming from a not-so-pleasant uh, uh, background, and I remember just thinking, why are these people so happy? Like, I, Really, they ha there's this joy and this love and this happiness and wholeness that I wanted, and, and I felt, I read this scripture, and I said, okay, I need to be here. I need to do what I'm told and suggested. I found uh, uh, people to help guide me. Uh, the church... <clears throat> Okay, so the church. The church, it's not this building. This building is amazing, and we are so blessed to have it. Uh, uh, a great worship team, great cafe, but the church is not the building. I came here during lockdown, uh, uh, and it was empty, and it was dead. It's the people, uh, the atmosphere, the love. We are the church. The church, is an, the church is not our pastors, as amazing as they are. Pastor Dan and Hannah are not C3 Corumban. We are C3 Corumban. If you call this your home, you're as much a part of this church as Pastor Dan and Hannah. They are our head. They have been anointed by God to lead us and guide us, but we are C3 Corumban. So at its core, it is us. We are his children, his saints, his called out ones, his elect. We're here, as it says in Acts 2, to, to hear about the word, to enjoy fellowship together, to worship our God, to share a meal, break bread, and to love the lost. There is a very big difference between being someone who goes to church and someone who is the church. If you call this... Oh, I already said that, sorry. Oh, thank you, Lord. No matter what part of the body we are, we are the body. If a body was all feet or all arms, it would not be useless, but it wouldn't be far off it, you know? <laughs> Pastor Dan and head, and maybe the head, 
and there's feet and arms and there's no point uh, uh, an arm yelling at a eye. Pick it up. Pick it up. Um, the floods, the floods that just happened, horrific. But I think uh, uh, this church uh, uh, really showed that we are a church. We had people days after the floods down there in the mud, in the, in the grossness, helping, getting dirty. We had, I know someone who was woken up uh, when the Brisbane and the Lismore ones having to pray and they felt for young families, for people with kids to be rescued. There were people in this church who gave their entire life savings, everything that they have right now. There were people in this church who were driving around, handing out envelopes of cash to anyone who would accept it. Not any one of those was more important than the next, but as a whole, it shows that we, we didn't have a genuine love team. We didn't get a C3 Kurumban team down there, but C3 Kurumban was every, everywhere down there. So well done, guys. And then finally, others. Our purpose is to reach others. As Michelle read, that the world may believe that you sent me. It's through our unity, our reflection, we will shine a light, we will show them we have something that they don't have, they will want. I've said it before, it doesn't matter if you're a world-famous preacher with a microphone and a TV channel, or if you're Joe Blow who lives in a town of 20. God has positioned every one of us somewhere to reach people and share his goodness and his kindness and his love. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much.